Hey friend, it's Chris. Welcome to Ecce Domino, Latin for Behold the Lord. Let's get beholding. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day, I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer, listen to my cry, for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I'm as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead, and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I'm forgotten, cut off from your care. You've thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down with wave after wave. You've engulfed me. You have driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I'm in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O oh Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? Oh Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. Oh Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? I've been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have paralyzed me. They swirl about round me like floodwaters all day long. They've engulfed me completely. You've taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. Psalm 88, NLT. Well, that was cheery, eh? I have another confession. Ever since I released Our Father, my prayer life has been a train wreck. I find myself wanting to do anything and everything but pray, resenting and resisting God. As an Enneagram 1, I'm used to censoring myself. I won't say what I really think unless compelled. Instead, I try to figure out what I'm supposed to say and say that, even if it's, even if it's not fooling anyone but me. Sometimes I'm just not okay. I struggle with my anger and my anxiety, but I can't surrender what I won't acknowledge. I come to God and try to convince him everything is fine. He knows what I'm really thinking and how I'm really feeling, but I try to lie to his face because I think he wants me to be insanely happy. And I mean insanely. But joy is not denial, and intimacy is not deception. When I'm actually close to someone, I don't have to pretend to be better than I am. I can admit, and I'm expected to admit, when I'm hurting. People who love me care. How much more does God care? I just finished My Name is Hope by John Mark Comer. He notes that Psalm 88 was a worship song for the Israelites. In the footnotes, he elaborates, I absolutely buy in 110% to the idea of the scriptures as inspired and authoritative. By inspired, I don't mean David received good creative energy from God. I mean God's spirit breathed out truth through David's heart, mind, fingers, and papyrus. So these dark thoughts, these bitter pleas, were not only written by a worship leader and sung by the chosen of God, but these two are God's own words. Just for the record, David wasn't the one who wrote Psalm 88, and John Mark Comer notes that. It's actually a guy named Haman the Ezraite. He's one of the sons of Korah. I get bogged down by formulas. I just want to do the thing correctly, you know? It is right to adore God, to delight in him. It is right to praise him and thank him. But when I can't get there, he still wants to hear from me. When all I've got is pain and a bad attitude about it, I'm still welcomed and wanted in his presence. Don't get me wrong. This will end in repentance. I won't leave the way I came. But first, I have to come.
I can't tell you how often prayer feels like a chore to me, an intrusion, a waste of time. I get it. But also, I can't tell you how often prayer has saved my life, your prayers, as well as mine. It's funny because God always commands us to do the things that are the best for us. We don't pray because God needs us to. We pray because he is life and the source of our lives. Without him, without regular relationship with him, we will shrivel up and die from the inside out. Comer lists four components for a healthy prayer life. A healthy relationship with God. One is honesty, as mentioned previously. Another is faith. But Comer clarifies that this faith is not merely believing, but acting on belief, living from it. For example, I often pray for guidance. God, what do you want me to do? What pleases you? Then he'll tell me something ridiculous, like go talk to that stranger at Glendale. I'm not even sharing the gospel, just asking how their quarantine is going, or offering them water, or thanking them for mowing the lawn. Sometimes I don't follow it through. In those moments, his voice gets a little quieter, a little harder to hear, and separate from the noise. Love does not insist on its own way. So while our words convey one idea, our actions speak louder. God's not going to make us obey, and most of the time anyway. But he's also not going to keep speaking if we ignore him. If what we really want is for him to shut up and leave us alone. That's another kind of graciousness. I don't say that to scare you. I was reading Good or God by John Bevere a while ago. He pointed out one of the main reasons we don't get what we pray for is because we don't really want it. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. James 1, 5-8, NLT. I mentioned in a prior episode that I've been reading through Proverbs. I love insight. I love to understand. But quite frankly, the gap between book smart and street smart is the difference between head knowledge and hand knowledge. It doesn't matter how much I know if I don't use it. Solomon himself is our example. Perhaps the most superlatively blessed man in history, yet he made some of the most obviously foolish mistakes. Another key. Praying for what God wants. This requires knowing God. It's too easy to assume that God made us, he loves us, he wants us to have what we want. But the picture of God as Father helps. God does love us way too much to give us everything we ask in our ignorance, even when we ask with good intentions. When it comes to suffering, Comer invites us to quit asking, how can I get out of this? And instead ask, what can I get out of this? I do not tolerate pain well. I let it get to me. But pain is unavoidable. It is part of life. Even if it breaks me, it can bring me to the feet of Jesus. Don't get me wrong. God doesn't enjoy our pain. He doesn't desire pain for us but he will use the pain that is present to benefit us. I'm reminded again of discipline. Anyone who wants to excel has to put up with a lot of pain and boredom. I think of elite athletes who have to wake up early, hit the gym, drill, eat well, sleep well. This takes time and it takes money. It means giving up the things we couch potatoes take for granted. But we're training for something much greater than a trophy or a ring or a gold medal. When athletes get older, they end up selling those things. They just don't mean what they used to, but our prize will never fade. So how much more should we lean into God's heart here and now? This is tied to the faith part. We don't just ask for his will to be done. We go out and do it. Finally, and most difficult for me, is endurance. Here's Jesus. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. 
There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find? Excuse me. When, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Luke 18, 1-8, NLT. And again, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Matthew 6, 7-11, NLT. Did you catch that? Keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door is open to. When something really matters, you just can't let it go. You can't give it up. You keep fighting. You keep begging. Especially because you know that God is good and he's for you. He delights to bless you. I've been quick to quit my whole life. When I see the ship sinking... I want off, even though I can't swim. There's a time for stubbornness, though. It's not always. But sometimes you have to dig in. Sometimes you can't be moved. This, too, requires God, knowing God and understanding his heart. As I've been talking about this, it occurs to me there are really four different aspects of faith. These are really four different aspects of faith. First is trust. I can be myself with God, and he won't reject me or condemn me for it. Second is action. I believe enough to try. Third is familiarity. I'm consistently connected to God, so I know what he really wants. And fourth is persistence. I won't give up on something God has placed in my heart. Sometimes I treat God like he's the Wizard of Oz. At first, there's this sense of grandeur and mystery. He's so powerful, so able. Of course he can, and only he, of course he and only he can fix me and my life. But as I wait, I get discouraged, and I start seeing a sad balloonist instead. Maybe it's just a placebo. Maybe he can't really help me. No, friends. No, no, no. Hold hope, as the prophets used to say. Don't stop believing. 